Good morning. It's good to be back with you guys. I was in Southern California last week. Spoke at a church in Camarillo. It's a lot like East Point. It was fun, but always good to be back. And uh, we're going to start a new series today, if you didn't catch it, called Love, Sex, Kids, and Life. And uh, we're, we're uh, going to talk about relationships. This series is all about relationships. And we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5. If you've got your Bible, you might want to open up to Ephesians, the fifth chapter. And if you don't have a Bible or you forget yours, there's always uh, some available on the uh, wall brackets there and along the, the back of the auditorium. For the next couple of months, we're going to take a look at a bunch of different issues regarding relationships. Marriage, divorce, singleness. Uh, we're going to talk about parenting, and yes, we will talk about sex. And it always gets very quiet in here when I deal with that issue, but it'll be fun. Uh, for any of, those of you that might be wondering, uh, is a series of talks like this really appropriate for church? Let me emphatically say absolutely so. The Bible is all about relationship. God's all about relationship. I mean, think about the Word of God and why it's given to us, and it's to help us grow in two areas, one in our relationship with God and the other in our relationships with others. And it's full, chock full of wisdom. Read the book of Proverbs. You'll find all sorts of wisdom about relationships. And I love the Word of God for that reason. So we're going to unpack some things about relationships because relationships matter. They matter to God, and of course, they matter to us. Furthermore, as Christ followers, we are to be light and salt in the midst of this world. If you are following Jesus, if you're a Christian, uh, Jesus actually said that he expects you to be salt, to have an impact on the culture, to be light in the midst of darkness. And we are to influence our culture more than allowing it to influence us. And part of my concern as a pastor um, is that I see so much happening in our world right now where, in fact, the culture is influencing the church more than the church influencing the culture. And we're to be an example of what great relationships look like. People ought to look at you and go, wow, that's what it means to have a relationship with God. I didn't get that. I thought it was just a religious thing. And it's not. It's a relational thing. Wow. They ought to look at us and say, you mean that's, that's the way marriages are supposed to work? Or, or to ask us, tell me how you've been married so long and how you, how you survive. I know your wife. How do you survive with her? They, they ought to be able to look at us and see a difference in us and the way we parent and the way we relate to one another. Relationships matter, and we ought to be a model of that to a watching world. Again, the Bible is full of practical relational wisdoms all over the place, and we're going to unpack quite a bit of it in this series. One of my major goals in this series, especially today and next week, is I want to help men understand women better and women understand men better. And even if you're not married yet, or maybe you don't ever plan on being married, or you've been there, done that, and you're quite content being single. You still have relationships with the opposite sex, a mom, a sister. If you're a guy, a woman, you've got relationship with men, men you work with. There are people all around us, and understanding these things will help us in all our relationships. When God created us male and female, he knew what he was doing. Duh. He did. And knowing the differences between men and women, some of the basic things, is crucial to having a healthy relationship. It's important that we understand the differences and that it's okay that we're not exactly the same. And then working on those relational things will help all of us. I know from firsthand experience that your wife can be a great teacher in your life, gentlemen. My wife sitting right in here, Laura and I, we've been married for 39 plus years and we have got a relationship that's healthy. It's not always been perfect, but she has always been a great teacher in my life. And regardless of your wife's disposition, character, wisdom, or knowledge, uh, if you'll learn to respond to her rather than react at her, she could be a teacher in your life. Now, Matt kind of 
uh, gave you a sneak peek into where we're going. Guys, I'm going to lean on you a little bit today. And uh, I'm going to be kind, but I'm, I'm going to ask you to man up. And I'm going to lean on you a little bit with some things that the Bible says. But one of the things I know, and the first thing I want you to hear is that your wife, regardless of what she's like, some, of, some guys say, well, you don't know my wife. Man, I tell you, she's anything but a teacher. My, she's a, she, and they go on and on. Well, here's my position. Even if she is difficult, regardless of her disposition, character, wisdom, or knowledge, God can use her in your life to help you become a godly man and a man with godly character. And it's what you do that counts most. It's how you respond to her rather than react at, at her that will matter. Um, I don't have to tell you about PMS, about the reality of living with um, women who suffer from that, the moodiness, the irritability that can be present at certain times of the month. And I have my wife's permission to tell you this story, by the way. But uh, for years, in the early part of our marriage uh, especially, uh, she used to be um, very, very much a, a nightmare about two or three days out of, out, of, out of the month. Very difficult, very irritable. It's like my wife is a sweet, kind, gentle person, unless she's PMSing. And then it's like, whoa. And it was difficult for us. Now she figured some things out and, and changed some things in her diet and vitamins and other things that, that made a difference. But one of the things that, that I want to tell you is that it, never did I have an excuse to treat her poorly. Never do you have an excuse to treat any woman, especially your wife, poorly. See, it's my responsibility to love my wife unconditionally, regardless of what she might be like, and to believe that God's put her in my life for a reason. Now, not all women suffer from PMS, but even if you can't relate to this, if you've been married more than a month, you've already figured out that the husband you married is not perfect. And, and, and you know, guys, you've figured out already that your wife's not perfect. And by the way, no one is. Raise your hand if you're perfect. I mean, none of us. We, we, get, we understand that we all are imperfect beings who are in process. We get that about ourselves. And then you put two imperfect people together in a marriage relationship, and it can be lots of fun and lots of struggle. I get that. There are plenty of things for us to grow and develop in when we work through a marriage. But that's the way God designed it. And I truly do believe that God put that woman in your life, guys, to help you become more like him. So again, focusing on the husbands today, let me ask you guys a question. Don't answer out loud, but let me ask you this. What does your wife need from you as her husband? What does your wife need from you? Or in other words, how can you best love and serve her to promote and develop a healthy marriage and a healthy relationship? The Apostle Paul had some insight on this and is found in Ephesians 5. We're going to pick it up, Ephesians 5, verse 25. He says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, I could stop right there, spend the rest of the day just landing on that passage, and that would be enough. That verse, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. How did Jesus give himself up for the church? He died for us. That in and of itself is profound and plenty to talk about. Let's read on, verse 26. He gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. Verse 31, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife 
And the two will be one flesh, become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Great passage filled with incredible wisdom. And so let's unpack it a little bit this morning. Take a look at what every woman wants and needs in a man. Probably 10 things I could talk about easily, but I'm going to land on three in the 30 or so minutes we have together. Here's the first one. Number one, every woman wants to be loved unconditionally for who she is, not what she does. Every woman, every wife wants to be loved unconditionally for who she is, not what she does. Verse 25, again, Paul says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And he adds this admonition by saying in verse 33 that we must love our wife as we love ourselves. And here's the truth. Here's the truism. Something you've got to understand deep within the heart of every woman. In fact, every man, by the way. But let's land on, on speaking to the guys today. Deep within the heart of every woman is this desperate and valid need to be loved unconditionally. They long to be loved for who they are. We all long for a relationship that is not complicated by conditions and performance clauses. We get very insecure, very nervous when we sense that love is conditional and based on how well I do or don't do something, on performance. And performance-driven love, when you stop and think about it, you know it doesn't work because we all fail. We all make mistakes. We all blow it. None of us can act perfectly all the time. And even if you did for a while while you were dating, sooner or later, the secret's out. And it, it, it becomes apparent to everybody, you're not perfect and neither is she, guys. We all want to be loved for who we are. And a godly man will be an unconditional lover of his wife. The Bible uses the term agape. It's a Greek word that defines and describes God's love for us. And there are lots of different definitions we could give. I'm going to give you a very simple one. If you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. Here's the definition of unconditional or agape love. Unconditional love is mature, selfless love. It is mature and selfless love. It is an unconditional commitment to an imperfect person. Let me read that last part again. It is an unconditional commitment. It's not based on performance. Unconditional commitment to an imperfect person. That means love is sacrificial. Love is selfless, even when the other person is unlovely and undeserving of love. We can never say, well, I'll love you if. I'll love you only. That's not the kind of love God calls us to. Jesus sacrificed and died for you and me in the hope of what we would become. And let me point out, he died for you and me long before we even acknowledged his existence. When we were far from perfect, when we were broken, messed up, hating God, denying his existence perhaps, when we were far from God, Romans 5 says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Before we ever acknowledged him and even said one nice thing to him, he loved us. That's unconditional love. And without that love, we would never have become who we are in Christ. Years ago, Laura and I were speaking at a marriage conference, and I had a guy come up to me afterwards, and he was pretty frustrated. And he um, looked at me and said, you know, I, I, I understand what you're saying, and I understand that that's biblical, and he says, but you don't know my wife. And he went off. I mean went off. He says, my wife is a slob. She doesn't take care of herself. She doesn't, she doesn't, you should see what she looks like in the morning. It's scary. She doesn't take, there's no fun in our life. There's no romance in our life. And don't even get me started talking about sex. And he just went on and on and on and on and on and on. 
And I listen. I try to listen before I respond. And I listened and nodded my head. And, and I'm sure when he got done, he expected me to say something like, I'm so sorry and wow, it must be really hard to be you. And why don't you just dump the broad? I mean, I'm, I'm sure he wanted me to say something supportive. What I did was I looked him in the eye and I gave him this challenge. I said, dude, let me give you this challenge. Here's what I want you to do. For 30 days, for the next month, I want you to go and love your wife unconditionally. Love her without condition. Love her without any performance clauses. You go and love her no matter what she does or doesn't do. No matter what she says, you just go love her. And by the way, make sure it costs you. Because selfless, sacrificial love always costs. Lay your life down. You love that woman the way God loves you. And I said, then you come back to me after a month, and if it's not working, we'll talk. He gave me this look like, yeah, whatever, sure. Okay, but I could, I could see that he was willing to take the challenge, and he did. It was actually about five weeks later that he came down after service, and he said, Bubna, I said, I don't know what to say. He said, but my wife is changing. And I said, really? He said, yeah. I said, why do you think that is? And here's his profound insight. He said, because I'm changing. I'm loving her without condition. I'm unconditionally, selflessly serving her and giving my life to her. When we love that way, people change. That kind of love changes us. It changes people. And that's the kind of love God has for us, and that's the hope we have of the change that we're experiencing in our relationship with him. Men, if you want your wives to change, if you're sitting here today and saying, man, I, I'm not even sure I like this woman, let alone love her anymore, then I want you to take the 30-day challenge and watch and see what happens when you truly love her without conditions. Love her for who she is, not what she does. Jesus calls us to this kind of love. Luke 6, 32, Jesus said, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love him, love them. Jesus said, if you just love people who are easy to love, so what? But then he went on, he said, I want you to, to love your enemies. Love those. Think, well, I, I think I said, I, I feel like my wife is an enemy. Well, let me take you to a passage in the Bible where Jesus said, love your enemies. So even if you feel that's the kind of relationship you have with your spouse right now, the Bible doesn't give you an out. Love them. Love them unconditional. unconditionally. Unconditional love, by the way, if you haven't figured this out yet, I will tell you, it's hard. And it can be painful. Sacrifice usually is. But without question, it is the number one need of your wife. Number one need, to love her unconditionally, to die to yourself and to obey God. And he will help you to do that. And he will transform you and transform her in the process. Here's the second thing. Number two, every woman wants to receive genuine affection and attentive conversation. Genuine affection and attentive conversation. Let me unpack genuine affection, what I mean by that. For most women, uh, affection involves gentle touch. And notice I said gentle touch, not genital touch. And yes, I did say genital in church. It's gentle touch, and it involves tender caressing without any sexual overtones. It is not, guys, listen, it is not foreplay. For women, affection, genuine affection is in a completely different camp. Most of us guys, I know because I'm a guy, we think affection, we think foreplay. That is not what I'm talking about. It's not that at all. It is just gentle affection in and of itself just because. It is just tender ways of showing her, I love you, I care about you, holding her hand, giving her a massage, doing something that's just tender and gentle, giving her something, some, showing her ways that you just, you care about her. Those are affectionate ways that you demonstrate your love 
and they long for genuine affection. A UCLA study done some years ago, and there's been other studies since then that have supported this, found out several things. First, about 80% of a woman's physical need is non-sexual. About 80% of a, most women's physical need is non-sexual. The average woman needs eight to 10 experiences of meaningful touch, non-sexual touch, every day. Eight to 10 times. Now, I know some of you are thinking, how many, did I, what, oh boy. And you start adding up, did I hold her hand on the way to church today? Did I give her a hug this morning? And, but the average woman needs eight to 10 non-sexual, intimate, but physical touches of affection every day. And here's the third thing they found out in this study. Most women who tend, who, who get this kind of environment, who get this affection from their spouse, tend to be far more responsive to a man's sexual needs. In other words, they find you irresistible when you provide this environment for them. I've said this lots of times before. I love it because it's a great word picture. Most women are crock pots, not microwaves. I didn't say crack pot, I said crock pot. Most women are crock pots, meaning that they, they want to savor the experience, they need time, they want the environment. They're not push a button, slam, bam, thank you, ma'am. That's not what they're looking for. Now, if by chance that's your wife, God bless you. But she's rare. Most women, and it's normal for most women to need and want affection, simply for affection's sake. They're crockpots. Again, Paul wrote verse 28, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. And unless you're a masochist, you tend to treat your body very well. You provide what it needs. And the Bible says, do for your wife what you would do for yourself and more. Meet her needs. Along these lines, and it's connected, though they're different, is intimate conversation. Now, intimate conversation is different than affection, but for most women, these two are very directly linked. Your wife longs to be heard, and she desires to have heart-to-heart conversation with you. Like you, she wants to be understood. She longs to be heard. And she will respond in, to you again when she truly believes that you're listening to her. Now, a lot of guys think, well, I, I, just, I don't say a lot. I'm not much of a conversationalist. And that might be just the way you're wired, and that's fine. I, I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm not saying you've got to pump out 30,000 words a day to tell your wife how great she is or to, to, in conversation. But you really do need to work on the listening part because she needs to know that she's heard. James, the brother of Jesus, wrote this in James 1.19. My Christian brothers, you know everyone should listen much and speak little. Listen much and speak little. Now again, some of us did the speak little part pretty well. But we need to listen a lot. Speak less, listen more, and watch your wife blossom. And by the way, attentive conversation is reflected in our tone, in our words, and with our body language. It's not intimate conversation for her when you're texting an employee while you're trying to have a conversation with her. It's not intimate conversation for her that you're trying to read, you know, the newspaper while she's trying to have a conversation with you. Intimate conversation doesn't happen in a three-minute commercial break while you're watching television. That's not intimate conversation. She needs to know that you're truly giving her the attention, the attentive conversation she longs for. And so take her for a walk. My wife and I love to go for walks. And we will spend 30, 45 minutes just talking and walking. And it's one of the things that we love to do, but it's that opportunity for us to have conversation together. If you've got kids, wait till they go to bed. Put them down and then just say, honey, let's spend, can we, let's just sit on the couch and talk. You say that to your wife after she passes out and you bring her to, she'll be, she'll be blown away. You, you want to just talk? Yeah, let's, can we just sit on the couch and spend 20 minutes, 30 minutes just 
Tell me about your day. And don't just give me facts. Tell me how you feel. She will be blown away. See, most guys just want to know the bottom line. Just give me the facts. Well, how did it go? Good or bad? Okay, I got it. Thanks. And that's not, that's not intimate conversation for most women. They want to unpack their feelings, and we need to be good listeners. Guys realize that affection and intimate conversation provide the atmosphere that she needs. It's an environment that she needs to have. And sex is the event that will happen more often in that environment. Get this. She needs the environment, not just the event. So open yourself up to that intimate conversation and that affectionate experience with her that creates the atmosphere and the environment that she needs. And once again, here's a great opportunity for you to be humble, guys, to learn, to listen to your wife. Ask her. Here's a, here's a radical concept. Ask her, how can I best express my affection to you? What do you like? What don't you like? What, what, where's a good place for us? What, what, would you like to sit and have coffee and look deep into my eyes? Or, or would you like to take a walk? Ask her. Be, te- be teachable. Let her teach you about this, and you'll grow a great deal. She needs unconditional love. She needs that, that intimate conversation and that affectionate environment. Here's the third thing she needs. Every woman wants to be treated with sincere and meaningful honor. With sincere and meaningful honor. I, I, I worry about honor in our culture today because I'm not sure it's taught very well or understood very well um, by many people. And I'm going to give you a very brief definition of honor that, again, you might want to jot down. But here's what it means to honor. It means to esteem, treasure, value, care for, and appreciate. To honor your wife means to esteem, to value. It means to treasure her, to care for her, and to appreciate her. Guys, I want you to think about um, a material possession that you have that matters a lot to you. Maybe it's an old car that you restored. Uh, Maybe it's something handed down to you by your great-granddaddy. Something of value to you that you honor, that you treat it well, you protect it, you take care of it. For me, uh, it's easy. The first thing I think of is a guitar I bought when I was 16 years old. Um, I wanted to learn to play the guitar. I actually wanted to learn to play the drums. My dad told me he would kill me if I did. It was the 60s. Rock and roll wasn't very cool. Well, not, not in the religious circles that I grew up in. So I, I said, well, I want to get a guitar. He said, well, I'm not buying it for you. You have to get it on your own. So I saved money, went and bought my very first guitar. And I bought that at 16 years of age. And I still have that guitar today. 41 years. What's how old am I? 41 years later. I still care for that. It's not something that I leave sitting in the trunk of my car in 95-degree weather. I love my grandchildren and my children, but they didn't get to play and bang and, and mess with my guitar. It's, it's as value to me. I have cared for it because I honor it. I esteem this. It is a treasure in my life. The Bible wants you to honor your wife the same way, to treat her more precious, more valuable to you than your most precious possession. And it's an honor. It's this emotional need, a valid one, by the way, that she has. She wants to know that you value her above all others, that no one else matters more to you than her. Paul wrote verse 31 that a husband and a wife become one flesh. And he isn't just referring to sex here. What he's emphasizing is the leaving and cleaving. We leave what was once our most valuable and important relationship, hopefully with our, our parents, our mom and dad. We leave that and we cleave to our spouse now. 
And guys, that woman is to become the most important person on the planet to you. And most importantly, she needs to know it. Well, of course she does. I married her for heaven's sakes. No, she needs to know that above all others, you esteem and value her. So what does honor and value look like? What does it look like then to honor your spouse? Let me give you a few things to consider. Some very practical things. First, you honor your wife when you're open and honest with her. You honor your wife when you are open and honest. Lying is dishonorable. It says, I value my needs more than I value you. And lying destroys honor in a relationship. And she needs to know you're going to be open and honest with her. You honor your wife when you speak well of her to her and to others. In the 39 years we've been married and 40 years or so that we've been together, I have not one time called my wife the old lady or the old hag. Never. Even when she at times has been a little hard to get along with, I have never referred to her with any words that begin with a B. Never. Have I complained to her to my buddies and friends? My wife, I can't believe that, this woman. That doesn't happen. She, and she knows that I don't. Even when she probably has done some things that could deserve that, I've never spoken evil of her to others. I do my best to speak well of her and to her. I want to bless her with my words. I want what I say to her to build her up. Now, have I always done that? Unfortunately, the answer is no. Have I said some stupid things? Oh, yeah. But I understand this and how important this is, and I have worked hard, and I want to encourage you guys to do the same, to bless your wives. Paul compared the power of our words to the power of Christ's words to the church. Ephesians 5, 25 and 26. Look at it again. He says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for to make her holy. Listen, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. Our words matter. Now, our words are imperfect. They are not holy and inspired, always um, holy or inspired, but our words do have power. They do have influence. Solomon wrote this in Proverbs 12, 18. He said, reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. He said, reckless words, hurtful words, cutting words, they pierce like a sword and they destroy relationship. They hurt and they wound deeply, but the words, the tongue of the wise brings healing and wholeness. He wrote in Proverbs 18, 21 that the tongue has the power of life and death. That your words can actually bring life to your spouse or bring death to her. And so again, let me ask you another question. Don't answer out loud. But what kind of words do you speak to your wife? What do you say about her to others? Are your words words that cut and crush? Or are they words that empower, build up, and heal? You see, like the Word of God in your life, the the words that you speak to your wife ought to bring healing and refreshing to her soul. Be careful the way you speak to her and about her. And when you fail, and you will, when you say something stupid, and you, you will, when you do hurt her, be quick to say these words. Please forgive me. I love you and I value you. That's not what's my heart. That's not the way I truly believe you are. Here's one last way to honor your wife. It's simple, but it's difficult for some of us. You honor your wife when you serve her. When you serve her, when you do things, acts of kindness and appreciation, selfless acts of service for your wife, and you do it just because, just because you love her. And that honors her. 
for um, all of our years being married. I have consistently practiced this simple thing. My dad taught me this, and I've been doing it for 40 plus years now. I open the door for my wife. Whether we're leaving or entering into a building or getting into a car. Now, mostly they, well, I did that when we were dating, you know, I just needed to impress her, but, you know, she's stuck with me now. But why? Why do we put value on some things that we stop doing after a while because we think, well, that's not... Or, or maybe we start thinking, well, you know what? She's, she's capable. She opened open her own door. She doesn't need me. And I've actually heard women say, well, I don't like that because it, I'm not weak. I'm just as strong as him. That's not it at all. It's not a question about whether you have the intelligence to open a door or not. The issue is, I want to serve you. Honey, I want to selflessly just serve you and put your needs before my own. Simple thing. Do you sometimes do things in unexpected ways? Stuff that normally your wife would do. Do you just say, well, you, she, in your house, we all have this in our homes, things that you do, things that she does. They're just kind of, whether it's by default or you planned it, there's always this in every relationship. Well, do you once in a while just go and do the thing that she normally does? You empty the dishwasher. She always does for some reason, and you just surprise her. Simple wax. She tends to do this, and you say, well, I'm just going to do that to bless her. Simple ways of showing her that you want to serve her. Do you bring home small tokens of affection and appreciation? And by no means am I encouraging you to go out and spend 60 bucks on roses every week. Don't. And I'm not encouraging you to go out and get in debt either. Don't. Small tokens. Little things. Especially if your wife, is, is, her love language is, is tokens, small gifts. I, I bring home just, I can go to Fred Meyer and spend eight, nine, ten bucks on, a, on a, some flowers, and my wife is tickled pink. And by the way, those flowers, for some reason, last longer than the roses, and they're like a fifth of the price. And she goes, honey, thank you. And every time she sees those flowers sitting in that vase on the kitchen table, she thinks of the, the, that I thought of her. Simple ways of demonstrating your affection and your love for her. We need to honor. Guys, honor your wife. Give her the respect and kindness that she needs from you. And do it because that's what love does. Because love honors. A wise man will grow to understand, appreciate, and accept the uniqueness of his wife. And I want to encourage you guys, be wise. Be strong. Be that guy. Next week we'll talk about women. What every guy needs. And I'll be speaking to the women. But today, men, I want to encourage you to listen with your heart. And to make some decisions, conscious decisions, to change and to improve your marriage. One last story, and I'm done. Years ago, um, my aunt and uncle celebrated their 40th wedding anniversary. And uh, they actually, I think, before my uncle passed away a couple years ago, were married almost 60 years. But I remember uh, at their 40th, I asked my uncle this question. And he was a mentor in my life, a godly man. I loved him. Just, I miss him so much. And my Aunt Dee's still alive. I spoke with her a couple weeks ago on the phone. And what an amazing couple. But I said to my uncle, on their 40th wedding anniversary, I said, Uncle Don, how'd you do it? And he said, Kurt, actually, he always called me nephew. Nephew? He said, here's the secret. Remember this, and you'll, you'll, it'll change your, your marriage, and it'll, you'll, you'll make it 50, 60, 70 years. He said, here's what I learned. I learned to focus on my wife's needs and my character rather than her character and my needs. Guys, that's worth the price of admission today right there. My uncle said, Kurt, here's the deal. Focus on Laura's needs and your character 
rather than her character and your needs. And that is so countercultural, counter to the way most of us grow up. But it's exactly what Jesus said. He said, don't worry about the speck of sawdust in your spouse's eye, in your wife's eye, when you've got a two-by-four in yours. That's biblical. Guys, I want to encourage you today. Focus on your wife's needs and your character. And watch what Jesus will do in your marriage. Bow your heads, let me pray for you. Father, thank you for your word, which is so full of wisdom, and that you really are a relational God, and that you teach us how to live in relationships with each other. And God, I'm excited about this series because I believe there's so much that we can grow and learn about relationships through your word. And today, Lord, I know some of the guys may have felt a little leaned on, maybe some of them even feeling a little guilty. God, that's not your intent. That's not my intent. You don't want anybody to leave here today feeling beat up. But I do pray, Lord, that by the Holy Spirit, they'll feel challenged to say, yes, Lord, work in me. Help me become the man, the husband that I need to be. And that today, this morning, they would focus on their character and their wife and her needs. And that you would make that shift in our understanding in a way that would really make a difference. Lord, thank you for marriage, that marriage is that, that uh, opportunity that you give us to not only experience the greatest joy, but even the greatest struggle because it's in the struggle that we grow. It's in the struggle that we discover our own sin and our own failures and our own weaknesses and our own needs that, that are not like you. And so, Lord, I thank you for marriage. But God, all of us need to learn how to relate to people of the opposite sex. And so today, implant these seeds, this truth in our heart, I pray. Keep your head bowed and your eyes closed for a minute. Maybe you're here today and you've not yet started your life as a Christ follower. And I'll be honest with you. I don't know how people survive on planet Earth in any relationship without God. How they do it without the help of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, I, I don't know. I just couldn't do it. And I I want to encourage you today, if you're here and you've been investigating Christianity and you know it's time, you're ready to say yes to God, you realize you need him. You've been trying it your way, doing it your way, and you realize now, man, I need to embrace grace. I need the forgiveness. I need to surrender my life to Jesus. I need to follow him. And you want that, and you're ready for that, then I'm going to pray this simple prayer. Just make this prayer yours right now. Make this your heart's cry to God. Father, forgive me. I have failed. I've gone my own way. I've I've tried it. And I realize right now that I need you. I need grace. I need forgiveness. I need mercy. I need help, God. I need you to empower me to become the person that I, I want to be. And so today, I surrender my life, everything. It's yours. Thank you for surrendering your life for me. And today, right here, right now, I choose you. Thank you for choosing me. I surrender. I say yes. Now, if that's you, your own heart, say, yep, God, today, today's this first Sunday of August 2014. This is the day where I became a Christ follower. This is the day that I chose to follow you. Lord, for those making that decision right now or listening online, burn in their hearts, Lord, that they are not alone in this journey, that now all the resources of God, 
all the resources of heaven are at their disposal to help change them from the inside out. Show them, Lord, what you're doing, but show them that this moment, right now, they've become your child forever. Burn that into their heart and their mind, I pray. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to finish with one last song. We worship here at East Point not just to kill time, but to focus on the one who is our strength, our life, our all in all. And I, I want to encourage you to worship, uh, to let the truth of what we've talked about today resonate in your soul. Uh, now, as the buckets go by, it'd be a great time to put that communication card with your prayer request or your needs in, in the bucket. If you're a part of this church, give financially to support what God's doing here. If you're a guest, don't feel obligated to give. But let's worship as we give, and I'll come back and wrap it up. I surprised my wife. I said, I'm going to bring you up. She goes, oh, this is my best friend. And this is the woman. (laughs) 34 years ago, I told her I wanted a divorce. Some of you are thinking, I don't know. It's too late for me. It's never too late. We surrender our life to God. He changes us. He changes everything. If you today had your life changed by an encounter with Jesus for the first time, you became a Christ follower, tell somebody. On the tables, by the doors, there's a packet that says for new believers. Pick one of these up. Next Sunday, they're in this service. is a class, first steps. Take that class. Prayer Tim will be down front to pray for you if you need prayer today. Something got stirred up in you, and don't go home without getting prayer and somebody to love on you. Communion is always available on the side of both sides of the room. But here's my hope, my prayer for you. May you go and learn to die because that's the way to life. Lay your life down. Focus on her needs and your character and watch what Jesus will do. God bless you guys. Thanks for coming today.